Blog Talk Radio. I feel like this all the time trying to politically awaken people that they're being lied to, that there's an agenda. It's not left or right. It's, hey, there's mind control going on. The signals broadcast 24 hours a day through all this media. Just become aware of it, and they'll say, there's nothing going on. And I want to say, put on these glasses or start chewing concrete. have taken the hearts and minds of our leaders. They have recruited the rich and the powerful, and they have blinded us to the truth. The question is, do we all work for central bankers? That's what I want to address to our guests tonight. Our impulses are being redirected. We are living in an artificially induced state of consciousness that resembles sleep. An estimated 50 to 70 million Americans suffer from a sleep disorder or sleep deprivation. Outside the limit of our sight, feeding off us, perched on top of us from birth to death, are our owners. Latest census numbers prove the United States has the biggest gap between rich and poor compared to all westernized countries today. Our projections show that by the year 2025, not only America, but the entire planet will be under the protection and the dominion of this power alliance. The gains have been substantial, both for ourselves and for you, the human power elite. And for the first time in all of human history, mankind is politically awakened. That's a total new reality. I've got one that can see. We can't be the only ones who can see. Unfortunately, you've grown up hearing voices that incessantly warn of government as nothing more than some separate, sinister entity that's at the root of all our problems. It's a new morning in America. Fresh. All right, everybody, Joseph Gibson Podcasting here. Understanding the times in which we live today, a little bit of late night here. Figured we'd go into a little bit of thing, a little bit of stuff here, you know. Uh, hey, shock and awe—it doesn't wear off. I don't know if it ever does, but the new world order and their plans. Uh, it's a little bit late to be doing a couple things I wanted to do, but uh, anybody, if you ever stay at the Comfort Inn, if you ever stayed at a hotel called the Comfort Inn, and. Uh, this one here at the uh, in Pennsylvania here. I'm gonna get their address out there. Don't ever stay there. And I'm pretty much gonna. I might call them actually. See what the hell their damn problem is actually. Well, I'm gonna get into the story here maybe tonight. But uh, the Comfort Inn uh, exits uh, exits uh, off of uh, exit 17. Exit 17 off of Interstate uh, 84, Lake Ariel, Pennsylvania. Comfort in uh, Pocono Lakes region. This this hotel is a absolute spaz, crazy New World Order scumbag hotel, and uh, they uh, they they get a hold of your information and uh, they'll they'll charge you if your room is dirty or if they if they, if they think you're smoking in your room if you they smell cigarettes well they'll charge you 150 50 dollars they're they're just and uh, the general manager they're rude they're just arrogant and uh, if you, anyone is listening if you want to know about this place uh, 
telling you, don't spend your money there. They're it's a dump. They're jerks. And uh, I wouldn't waste it, waste your money there. Uh, that's my advice to you. Um, <clears throat> you can read some of the reviews there on Google if you want to. And uh, they're just, uh, it's a dirtbag place to stay. Not good, not good. So uh, without further ado, though, let's get to uh, some stuff here and uh, see what we can get into. Maybe I'll get a conversation going here. Maybe I'll get somebody to call in here and have a conversation with somebody. We'll see. But uh, let's get some news going. You know, it escalates. It's 60 something million now, and now it's going to be 650 million. Why not? And then you've got Mitt Romney and Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and all of these people, Republican and Democrat leaders, who are warmongers, the neocons, whose families run the damn companies, the media, the energy, the transportation, the shipyards, everything. I mean, it's just, the looting is incredible. And again, they're inflating the currency, but they buy up real stuff that is inflated, then they pass us the debt and the devaluation. I mean, wow, that is a whopper. September, 
And if they don't go say whatever is demanded of them, then they'll be put in prison? I mean, that's illegal. And they put them under oath and act like this is a real trial. The Democrats are a bunch of mindless, crazy lawyers who don't even know how society works. Their average age is about 77. And they don't know what planet they're on. Joe Biden is perfectly emblematic of these people not being able to find his ass with both hands. I mean, he, he got on the plane in Israel. We've got the footage coming up. And he literally goes, who am I? Where He says, where am I? Who am I? And they go, sir, here's the red carpet. He doesn't even know where he's at. I mean, these people are insane. And they have the nuclear codes, ladies and gentlemen. So, God help us. I mean, we're in a lot of danger. You can have these people all day, but they're in control. <laughs> they are crazy. we got so much to cover. Stay with us at InfoWars.com. What did you think the designed post-industrial collapse of the world economy would look like? Well, you don't need to think what it would look like. You're living in it. I'm living in it. We're living in it together on this Wednesday, July 13th. Emergency transmission. Thank you for joining us. Big broadcast. A bunch of special guests in studio. You name it. I'll tell you about that coming up next segment. Let me just go over what we're going to be covering here today, and then obviously any breaking news uh, as it as it comes in. Uh, look, the Republicans are having a field day. Talk radio is just beside themselves. It's hilarious. It's fun. It's, it's, there's countless things to make fun of. The Democrats are like a bunch of lobotomized rats on PCP. But when you pull back and know they're globalist puppets designed to take the blame for the collapse and that they were chosen because they're so inept to take the blame, then the joke isn't on them. It's on all of us. It's extremely, extremely dangerous situation that we are in right now. The good news is all over the world people are identifying the globalist plan to collapse the economy by design in their own statements. And the fact that they have put their politicians and controllers in, in, in every major government, uh, except for communist China and Russia. I'm not defending Russia and China. They've got their own problems. But Klaus Schwab, the New World Order, brag that they have control of half of the parliaments, half of the cabinets, and governments of the world, and that they're getting control of another 30 40%. So they are close to having 80 90% control over governments in the world. And they brag they are the corporate global governance. He said a month ago at the Davos meeting, he said, we are in control of the world. We control the future. I probably played the clip 30 times. Should I play it again? I mean, it's incredible. We are now in control of the world. We here in this room control the earth, soon all nations. I mean, it's, it's, they will eat some bugs. They will own nothing. They will have nothing. You can't make this up. Imagine a James Bond movie where a bald-headed guy petting the cat goes, we will make you eat bugs. You own nothing. You have nothing. We are making the farmers in UK and Sri Lanka and Dutch and in Chile. We take their properties for the earth and they are not allowed to grow food or have cow. of the state of Florida are ready to stand and fight. Are you? We're going to have to do more than just hold the line and not give in. It's time to go on offense. And here in the state of Florida, we are ready to do that starting today. An officer in the Florida National Guard, also a member of our House of Representatives, has introduced legislation to do just that. We 
they're going to have to send a message to Washington, D.C. Not here, not in the state of Florida, not ever. You will lose the days of Washington, D.C. just rolling over the states and telling them what to do through financial coercion. Those days are over. I'm sure a lot of you are wondering, what am I talking about? Well, we have many military members, both former and current, that live here in the state of Florida. Some work in the private sector and also serve. Some work in government, and they also serve. It makes it very easy to do the exact opposite of what the coward in D.C. is doing. We've talked at length and extensively about Governor DeSantis, but he is surrounded by a cadre of support. He's the man on point. He's the field general, so to speak. That's absolutely true, and he has done an amazing job. We have covered this in videos and lives. Our Attorney General, Ashley Moody, is ready to use the power of her office to enforce our will. Those of us who have been duly elected. We also have many others in D.C. and here. Michael Waltz, Byron Donalds, Maria Salazar, Blazing Golia. But today, and in today's video, I would like to introduce you to another hero of our fight. Representative Anthony Bettini also known as Captain Sabatini, in the Florida National Guard. He wears both uniforms. Let's start on 10 September. Quote, Republicans need to learn how to use power. No more defense. We need offense. Issuing statements and lawsuits it is not enough. And the governor echoed this. Uh, must nullify Biden's vaccine mandates, any federal agent implementing them in our state must be arrested on the spot and prosecuted under Florida state law. Still think we're kidding? And then Nate Fisher calls for this as well in all red states, must pass legislation nullifying any non-compete, non-solicit, non-disparagement, confidentially, obligation to any employer that imposes a vaccine mandate. And just like that, there's the bill. HB 75, bill against mandatory COVID shots and masks, is the Florida Rhino litmus test. The New York Times heard about this, and of course they had to get on it. Here's the petition. This is how fast things happen in the state of Florida. Today, 10 September, submitted a bill, Bill Draft 79925, which will call for the arrest and prosecution of any federal employee, including those Capitol Police officer in Tampa, attempting to impose the illegal and unconstitutional mandate put down by Joe Biden. This is what's 
happening in Florida, calling on Governor Ron DeSantis to remove these from office right now in Orange County Public Schools who are trying to defy our courts. They're going to learn the hard way. We will perp walk them. We will arrest them. So if you want to follow a true hero of our fight in Florida, Representative Anthony Sabatini, we are winning, and they just don't want you to know. This is going to be a reality. It's going to make its way right through our courts. It's going to become law, and we will enforce it. Real quick on Captain Anthony Sabatini. Sabatini was born in Smithtown, New York, in 1988, moved with his family to Florida. The following year, infantry officer in the Florida National Guard and Florida State Representative from Florida House District 32. He earned a bachelor's degree in philosophy and history from the University of Florida in 2012 and a Juris Doctor from the University of Florida Law School in 2017. Now, he has done some amazing things. 13 January, Sabatini introduced HB 1365, which would have made it a felony for doctors to provide hormone therapy, gender reassignment surgery for transgender minors. A felony, meaning handcuffs, stuffed in the back of a squad car, booked into the local prison, and perp walked. 2020, Sabatini introduced bills allowing Floridians with valid concealed carry to carry firearms on public colleges and university. Legislation to ban red light cameras. Eight-year term limits on Florida school boards, which is really kind of coming to fruition now, isn't it? Opposition to Black Lives Matter, this guy has been a hero. And believe me, she will enforce it. She absolutely will. This is how you win. It can't be just a governor says this or just a representative says that. You have to have a direction, and then you have to have people around you supporting your vision. And that's what's truly happening in Florida. We have citizen servants. Citizen soldiers, that's what National Guard members are. They go through training just like anyone else, but they answer to their state governor. And on top of that, we have more veterans here than anywhere else. It's that, that hidden group of people ready to fight that know how to fight and know how to win. That's the dirty little secret that D.C. doesn't want you to know that they know about Florida. It is time to stand up and fight. It doesn't matter whether it's Pam Bondi. It doesn't matter whether it's the National Guard, Governor DeSantis, Michael Waltz. On literally every single front, we are fighting and we are winning against Washington, D.C. Ms. Salazar used to work for CNN, but she realized, much like Laura Logan, did that there is right and there is wrong 
and the amount of knowledge and uh, tactical information that she's been able to bring to us has been invaluable in defeating CNN. Why do you think Governor Sanders has never on? They know they can't defeat him. Michael Waltz was on, and he torched him. Byron Donalds was on, and he torched him. That's why they don't really get invited back, because they get clobbered. Their interview... I want to take a minute to discuss my own reaction to the vaccine. And I haven't been very public with this. I am... I live with uh, several autoimmune disorders and epilepsy, and um, I had been in remission for about three years. His uh, cabinet is resigning, and uh, he's lost support of his own side, so he's going down, down, down. Just a matter of when. What's thoughts on the Prime Minister tonight? Should he say or should he go? Well, I can tell you that earlier on today, I went to the funeral of a very long-standing councillor in my constituency. Much loved, not just because of his work as a councillor and as a mayor, but also because of what he did in the community more broadly and family and friends. And a lot of the talk um, was about his deep integrity and the, what that means to people in this country, not just in my constituency, but across the country. And I think that what's been very sad over the recent allegations about um, the former deputy chief whip and other things that have happened over recent weeks that I just don't think the prime minister any longer has not just my support, but he doesn't have, I don't think, the support of the party or indeed the country anymore. And I think for that reason, uh, he should step down. You're vice chairman of, yeah. of the committee. Probably, probably not after having said that, but yes. All right. Well, let's see if you retain your position. You're not resigning as vice chairman. Well, no, no, no I, think I, have to, I think you have to resign. <laughs> you have to resign uh, because I can't serve um, right. under the Prime Minister. But I say that with regret because I think this government's done some great things. I think the Prime Minister's got a very strong legacy in a huge range of areas. But I just think that uh, when you've lost trust um, of people... So Lithuania said passenger travel and the transit of non-sanctioned goods were unaffected. So basically, and here is a tweet from Richard Hanania, uh, uh, right, this tweet, he says, Lithuania admits it's blockading Kaliningrad because of the NATO guarantee. What a brilliant strategic move it is to bring defenseless countries into a military alliance and embolden them to behave recklessly against powerful neighbors. After a threat that says it will negatively affect your population, right? Yeah, basically, we're going to wipe you off the map. So good, good for Lithuania, basically saying, no, no, oh, it, was NATO, it was NATO that asked us to do this. It was EU asked us to do this. So we're, we're doing it. We're going along with the sanctions. And they're going to be wiped off. I mean, this is the problem here. So, you know, this might not look like, – let's take a look at this map again. Because it might not, like, seem like much. How could this provocation, this little provocation, you might say, cutting off Kaliningrad from the rest of Russia, how could that spark World War III? Well, the very same thing happened in World War II which forced Germany to attack Poland. So just for some context here, 
Germany invades Poland. Before September 1939, Poland did not allow the passage of German trains, mostly carrying coal from Germany's mainland into East Prussia. Also, very similar to today, Poland also rejected Germany's suggestion to build a suspended railway through the Polish corridor to avoid all of that area. They then went back and forth on this for about a year. They were negotiating, and then Germany said, we're done. The attack, the attack happened, right? It was almost entirely focused on the rail corridor to Germany in Poland. And here's video of this. This is the invasion. It happens all over a rail line, guys. Like, I'm just trying to provide some, like, Over you know, a transit of goods yes. in order to sell things to you to live a life that you're told that you can't live without these products. So there's historical precedent for it in this same area. So just for a moment, picture if the, let's just play this role. You were going to do some role playing on the show today. Okay. Like picture like the United States for a minute, right? Just think I, I'm like, let's say the state of Georgia mm-hmm. would step in and just cut off all rail and connections between like New York City and Florida or something. There'd be a civil war. Sure. Actually, that's kind of what happened in America's civil war, right? Not in Georgia, but you get the picture. Now imagine this happening in Mexico. Or Canada. Like, we have U.S. rail lines that go through Canada. Yeah. Right? On their way to Mexico. Oh, yeah, pipeline. We've been on those rail lines, right? Sure. Um, and Canada's been a good steward of that or a good relationship. But what if Canada's like, no, because of, um, I don't know, our alliance with Mexico, you're not allowed to get access to your Alaskan shipments anymore. What would the United States do? How many people in the chat watching right now, what do you think the United States would do? Drop us a comment right now. You think the United States would just roll respond with force yeah. to the country that's perpetuating that? That's exactly what they would do. I mean, the United States would not tolerate it, and Russia's not going to tolerate being cut off from Kaliningrad, one of their most important and vital ship uh, ports, and like the hub of their navy, by the way. Yes. So you're not going to cut these guys off from this. It would seem that Russia is having a stronger response to this than any of the uh, perfunctory sanctions that happened through the European Union. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. It's like going through this, I'm like, this is this is like rhetoric we haven't really heard before. Yes, it wasn't just please don't do that. We don't like it. Uh, you know, don't kick our athletes out of your athletic competitions. This is this seems. Yeah, serious talk. It seems a lot bigger. Another example of just how freaking retarded these people are. You know, um, Ukraine is hopelessly lost. Hopelessly, they keep getting surrounded, right? And they, they instead of pulling back to a defensible area, they go all in, and they get slaughtered over and over and over. You know, if something ain't working the first time, man, you should probably stop. But they can't do that because they're insane. You know, Russia is, 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 there's no path to victory in Ukraine for the Ukrainians. There's none. And uh, they just keep poking the Russian bear. So, you know, at, at first, probably Russia would have been happy with a, a rump Ukraine, you know, landlocked rump Ukraine, no problem, away from the border, whatever. But now, when you've got total victory in your, in your sights, why would you uh, compromise? And uh, the West lies about everything, so they don't trust them. There ain't going to be no negotiations now. There's just going to be complete surrender and total defeat for the New World Order and Ukraine. The last couple of hours have witnessed a further deterioration 
in the Ukraine's military position in northern Donbass. There are now reports of uh, Russian and militia forces um, tightening uh, their grip um, sat, uh, in the area around the town of Izychansk, which is the town which borders upon Severodonetsk, where much of the fighting, or much of many of the reports of the fighting in recent weeks have been taking place. Lysychansk has been resupplied by the Ukrainians, but basically from Bakhmut, which is um, the Ukraine's major base area, uh, up through two roads. Some time ago, the Russians were able to obstruct most of the traffic along the along one of those roads, the main, uh, larger, more easily used road, by establishing uh, what they call fire control over the road. In other words, they weren't in physical control over it, but their artillery was able to intercept traffic on it and therefore reduce the flow of men and material along this road. But there was another smaller road further north that was also used in place of this main road. Well, it seems that the Russians have now actually established roadblocks along the southern uh, main road, and it also seems that they have managed to gain what they call fire control in a shelling distance over the other road so that the position of the Ukrainian forces in Lysychansk, where they supposedly, where the, the, the town, as I said, which adjoins Severodonetsk, and which, by the way, is dated from Severodonetsk by the Seversky Donetsk River, well, it seems, the, um, that, it seems that Lysychansk is now, um, that this resupply of Lysychansk has now become extremely difficult. And Ramzan Kadyrov, who is, of course, the leader of Chechnya, but who is also an important Russian military commander, or perhaps I should say an important commander of Russian forces in um, Donbass over the course of this war, now says that the encirclement of Lysychansk and the entrapments of all the Ukrainian forces in the Severodonetsk Lysychansk pocket is now, uh, or cauldron, um, is now um, just hours or days at most away. Now, I should say that Severodonetsk, Lysychansk, was always something of a pocket or a salient anyway. If you looked at the map, you would see how vulnerable it was to encirclement, with resupply into Donbass by Ukraine already difficult, holding on to a place as exposed as Severodonetsk and Lysychansk made little sense. Um, the Ukrainian military command, uh, led by General Zaluzny, apparently wanted to withdraw from both places. So it seems to the governor of Lugansk, Sergei Gaidai, uh, there were various reports and proposals and suggestions and rumors at various times that uh, Ukraine was indeed going to withdraw from Severodonetsk, Lysychansk, and concentrate its forces further west in more easily defendable lines. But the political leadership in Kiev 
decided otherwise. And instead of withdrawing troops from Severodonetsk, Lysychansk, Ukraine seems to have reinforced the troops there in order to hold on to these two towns a little longer. And in fact, some of the reports that one is getting, as I've discussed in previous videos, suggest that the troops who were sent to these two towns were in fact some of the best remaining troops that Ukraine has. Why the um, Ukrainian leadership decided to make Severodonetsk, Luzichansk, um, a place of such importance in the war, why they decided that this was the place where they were going to turn the Russians back, it's very difficult for me to understand. But as I will discuss shortly, further in this program, there are now increasing reasons to think that the grasp of reality of some of the people in uh, Ukraine's political leadership is increasingly tenuous, and one suspects also that there's political infighting going on within the government in Kiev, which makes it extremely difficult for the Ukrainians to actually pull back uh, from any part of any part of their former territory, of the territory that they formerly controlled. And that seems to be what has happened in Severodonetsk, Lysychansk. Instead of pulling troops out of an undefendable position, they have instead chosen to reinforce failure, trapping more of their troops in a place where um, they will eventually be encircled and defeated, the encirclement now being almost certainly just a few days or perhaps even hours away. And I've said in previous videos that there's now various micro pockets also going appearing in other parts of northern Donbass, largely as a product, again, of these stand-and-fight orders by Ukraine, uh, uh, by the Ukrainian political leadership. And there is now another pocket, another such pocket, appearing in an area called Zolotogorsky, which is just south of uh, 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 Lysychansk. And um, the, there's a, a considerable Ukrainian force there. Some say it numbers around 2,500 men. And it, too, now appears to be on the brink of total encirclement with no real hope of escape. Now, one has to say that it's not clear how many Ukrainian troops there are in Severodonetsk, Lysychansk. Some figures put the number up to 20,000. At one point earlier in the battle, it was said to be around 12,000, but that was, of course, before those troops got reinforced. So I'm not going to even try and guess the numbers, but it does seem as if a substantial Ukrainian force is now being trapped in Severodonetsk and Lysychansk, and uh, a, a smaller force still sizable in number, up to two and a half thousand men, allegedly, is trapped in the Zolotogorsky salient, uh, uh, um, and is now facing destruction there as well. And of course, if we go back to Severodonetsk, Lysychansk, we already have confirmation that there's a force of two and a half thousand men 
including apparently special forces and volunteers, foreign volunteers, principally it seems from Georgia, they're now trapped in the Azov chemical works. They were the forces that Ukraine rushed to Severodonetsk to prevent a collapse of resistance in the city. It was talked up by Ukraine as evidence of some great counterattack in Severodonetsk. Instead, what's happened is that those troops have now got bottled up in the Azov chemical works, where they are cut off from the remaining Ukrainian troops in the Severodonetsk, Lysychansk uh, uh, cauldron, who are, of course, themselves about to become encircled. And there are other places up and down northern Donbass where one reads about other Ukrainian troops being encircled as well. So it's looking like an extremely grim picture of... of large, a significant part of Ukraine's army has become pinned down, divided, chopped up into micro pockets, encircled, and has been steadily suffocated by the Russians. And there's further reports that the Russians are also pushing ever closer to the town of Bakhmut or Artyomovsk, as the Russians like to call it, which, as I said, is the major uh, Ukrainian base area in this part of uh, uh, Donbass, and they're now said to be just five kilometers from this city, which, by the way, Z Zelensky himself visited a short while ago. So it looks extremely bad altogether. It's clear that the Russians are now intent on clearing up northern Donbass before they start moving south and um, encircle the remaining Ukrainian forces in Donbass, in Slavyansk and Kramatorsk. My colleague, Alex Christoforu, thinks that the defeat of the Ukrainian forces in Slavyansk, Kramatorsk, will be the effective end of the war. That once those forces in those two towns are encircled and defeated, Ukraine will have lost the best part of its army. All right. So there you have it. There you go. You got your uh, inside information on the Ukraine war over there in Russia. And, uh, hey, that's the best I could do for you. You know, uh, but you heard it here on Blog Talk Radio. I understand the times in which you live today. So... With that being said, let me see if I can get me a conversation going on here with a friend of mine uh, out there in California. We'll see if I can get him on here. <clears throat> if I can't, then we'll get ready to wrap it up here. Uh, and uh, and I, I kind of like these shows, uh, you know, uh, that I've been doing, uh, you know, uh, a little quiet here, not too much controversy, and they're archived. And, and then, of course, we do the great show on Tuesday with the Republic and uh, that's where uh, go back and listen to it. It's, it's uh, or tune in live 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we have your your lawful de jure government, the Republic, uh, broadcasting on here. And you have uh, many people from around the country that are very passionate and uh, understand the law and understand our government. And a lot of people have questions and they don't understand really what they don't get it or 
sometimes some people I get emails constantly you know what are you talking about and, well you know you have to or you have to really pay attention and, and do your homework and understand these things you know I mean look the time is coming change is coming it's coming and people are fed up and and and, and look all of us that are out there you know uh, listening or watching or talking or talking about things or complaining about things look you are the resistance. You're the reason why that that things aren't going straight to hell in a handbasket right away. You know, uh, me running for public office here in North Carolina, and you know, in the future, I'm going to make another run. You know, here and I'll get in there, and we've you know, if, if provided the country's still here in one piece, I mean, they're doing a heck of a job of destroying us. But how much longer do we really have? They say. You know, before really this thing goes down. I mean, the country has been has been being, being destroyed for for a while now, right? I mean, look, we've been talking about the end times, this and that, and then really we're waking up tomorrow morning, going to work, and really, what has changed? What has changed? You know, has cataclysmic events happened? Uh, people who live off of this this. Uh, these talking points that the you know and the reporting of today's news who live off of this stuff their messages are getting pretty old huh my message is getting pretty old I mean I've been preaching here on blog talk radio about the new world order for quite some time and uh, well, when's it going to happen right people are wondering well do you want it to happen <laughs> I don't want it to happen I prefer just complaining about it and, and being alert, and, and, and we know bad things are happening across the country more and more each and every day. We could report on it more and more, and, and things are, are continuously uh, happening, and, and, and we, we've got the ups and downs and, and, and the good and the bad. And look, bottom line is there's going to be a, a, a backbreaker here sooner or later. Where it's going, to, there's going to be a motion set in, in motion, you know that that we're not going to be able to stop, and that's what's going to happen. There's going to be a spark that can't be stopped, and we have to be careful. We have to watch out and and pray for those out there that are fall victim to the tyranny or the crimes that uh, happen to the innocent people out there who are just trying to get by or just trying to survive. You know, all of us out there trying to live each and every day uh, to get ahead or to or to live life. Why? What are we trying to live for? What are we What are we trying to push forward to? What are we What are we What's our goal? You know, what's happening? I mean, you, we all remember remember when Mandela Khan used to come on here. Remember years ago, the People's Revolution, this and that, the end, the summer of fire, this and that, and, and, and all hell was going to break loose, according to him. Nothing ever really happened. You know, the same thing. We're still, we're still fighting our battles, trying to survive, pay our bills, and get ahead. And some of us are able to get ahead. We live our lives, and we 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 meet our objectives. Some of us, and then uh, all, a lot of us, uh, you know, get old and die off, and go away or pass away and they leave us so what's this life really all about you know shouldn't we be spending all of our time with the people that we care about and that we love and with our friends and rejoicing and enjoying their company instead of paying attention to the bad that's going on 
or should we be paying attention to the bad that's going on and continue trying to fix the bad and straighten out the good and try to live for what's best together because if we keep going on and allowing evil to overcome the good we're going to end up really not having any other place to run to you look at what's happening around the country now people are moving to out of New York City New York and Connecticut places like that or Chicago and or 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 the people that are stuck there just going along and get along you know and really it's just a cycle of life we got this war going on in Ukraine and uh, Russia with Russia right now how bad is it death is happening over there people are being killed and, and and neighborhoods and cities and towns are being wiped out. Back in World War II, the entire area, the same area, devastated again. You know, so these cycles continue to happen throughout history, through these parts of the world. And you ask yourself, why? If there's a God out there, what's, what's the plan here? What's going to happen to us all? When, when does it end? When is it over? You know, well, it's over for some of us sooner than what we think. And then some of us and a lot of us are still living and we look forward to tomorrow. And we keep fighting on. We meet new people. We form new relationships. We break off old old relationships. Some of us, you know, there's there's so many different factors to the life you live today. And, and our own history within our own selves. I mean, w- w- I'm looking at a, a, a something right here, a piece of paper here. I took a Parker's Enterprise. This certificate is issued to Joseph Gibson of Parker's Express, Inc. for successful completion of the basics of uh, OSHA standard 1910.178 compliance. It, it was a course I took on... Uh, forklift operating because I was working ox up in Connecticut. It was a part-time job I got. It was very full-time, but uh, it was considered part-time. And I had to uh, complete that uh, certification process. And I look, look at the date on there, December 27th, 1999. Look how long ago that was. That was 23 years ago. 23 years ago. And look at where I am today. You know, where were you 23 years ago? What were you doing? How were you living? You surely weren't awake at 1.17 a.m. listening to Joe Gibson on a podcast, were you? Look how things have changed. Think about that. Some of you who, who are, that are a little bit older or some of you that are my age or some of you that are a little bit younger... Where were you, December 27th, 1999? I was getting a certificate to operate a forklift because I was working on the docks not knowing what, where my next job was going to be or where I was going to go to next. I was living in Connecticut. I'm here now in North Carolina. Did I ever think on that date that I'd be running for public office or or a Republican candidate or be doing a podcast show 23 years ago? 
did I ever think that Russia would be at war with Ukraine right now or or Joe Biden would be president or, or the world would be screwed up the way it is now? Or is it really screwed up? Because what was going on back then that was so screwed up? We had Bill Clinton, remember? Bill Clinton, remember how screwed up things were back then? And we thought that was bad. And we were complaining about things that were going on back then. And now look at us, 23 years later, what have we done during that 23 years? What have we accomplished? What have we achieved within our, for ourselves? Have we met the goals we set out to be? How many people have we lost throughout that time? Look at all the family members I've lost in between that time. Well, I can go back to that time and have a lot of the family that I knew back then back. You know, so what's this life for? What life have I created and relationships have I created? I have two children now. Those two, my, I would have never thought I would have had two children at back on, on that day. I'm using that day as one example of it, as a time slot in our lives, in my life, and then you can think about your life. So, what's what's the future? What's the future for the next 23 years? I know what you're thinking. Well, we probably won't be here in 23 years, right? Didn't we think that back 23 years ago? I probably won't be here in 23 years. The world's going to go to hell in a handbasket. You remember? It really did it. What happened? Nothing. We're still here. North Carolina's still here. The town in Connecticut where I got that uh, certificate, Wallingford, Connecticut, it's still there. Same roads, same people. Different. Well, people are changed, but they're older, more people, newer people are there. It's gotten a little faster, I noticed. Same times have moved faster. People have moved quicker. But other than that, it's still, the, the trees are still there, the buildings are still there. What has changed? Nothing. Nothing has really changed except for what is in our lives and how we live our lives really has changed when you think about it. And those that have passed on and those that have been born, the new life that has come into our lives. So, 23 years from now, where will we be? God, look at how old I'll be. I'll be an, I'll be an older guy, an elderly guy pretty much, uh... Past retirement, I'll be in upper 60s there. I'll be, I'll be, you know, will I make it that far? You know, what will happen? Will I be here 23 years from now? Interesting. Will you be here 23 years from now? Will the United States be here 23 years from now? Will we? Where will we be? Interesting. Do we have plans? Can we plan? What do you think? What if we made an appointment here right now and we said, 23 years from now, let's do a podcast show? <laughs> How silly that would be. Because there probably won't even be podcasts 23 years from now. We'd probably be doing something totally different. The room I'm standing in now probably won't be, probably I probably won't be living here in this home. I don't know. If I am, how much different will things change? I can't see me holding up to 23 years. Unless something changes. I don't think my body is going to hold up. I mean, even though I'm in shape, I work out uh, faithfully now. I, I mean, I just don't think I'll be here. I hope I am. I know, I, and I'm pretty sure my children will be. You know, my my, third, my 12-year-old son, I can only imagine. He'll, 
12-year-old son, 23 years. Wow. He'll be 35 years old. 35 years old. My 12-year-old son. Just imagine what life he'll have. Who he'll be. Who, who, what will he be doing? You know? I, I mean, uh, just imagine. Amazing. It's amazing. My son will be as what I was back 23 years ago. I was about, you know, uh, how old was I back then? My goodness, 1999, I was, uh, what, 27? 20, yeah. Wow. Well, I think we'll wrap it up right there with tonight's show. And uh, just remember, understand the times in which we live today. And uh, try to do better for tomorrow.
We've all got two wolves in us, a good one and a bad one, and they both want to eat. The best I can tell, we just got to feed that good one a little more than the other one. Happiness is an emotional response to an outcome. If I win, I will be happy. If I don't, I won't. It's an if-then 
cause and effect, quid pro quo, standard that we cannot sustain because we immediately raise it every time we attain it. You see, happiness, happiness demands a certain outcome. It is result reliant. And I say, if happiness is what you're after, then you're going to be let down frequently and you're going to be unhappy much of your time. Joy, though, joy is a different thing. It's something else. Joy is not a choice. It's not a response to some result. It's a constant. Joy is the feeling that we have from doing what we are fashioned to do, no matter the outcome. Now, personally, as an actor, I started enjoying my work and literally being more happy when I stopped trying to make the daily labor a means to a certain end. For example, uh, I need this film to be a box office success. You know, I need my performance to be acknowledged. I need the respect of my peers. All those are reasonable aspirations, but the truth is, as soon as the work, the daily making of the movie, the doing of the deed became the reward in itself for me, I got more box office, more accolades and respect than I ever had before. See, joy is always in process. It's under construction. It is in constant approach, alive and well in the doing of what we're fashioned to do and enjoying it. Now, the easiest way to dissect success is through gratitude. Giving thanks for that which we do have, for what is working. Appreciating the simple things we sometimes take for granted. We give thanks for these things and that gratitude reciprocates, creating more to be thankful for. It's really simple and it works. Now I'm not saying be in denial of your failures, no. We can learn from them too, but only if we look at them constructively as a means to reveal what we are good at, what we can get better at, what we do succeed at. Our life's a verb. We try our best. We don't always do our best. And since we are the architects of our own lives, let's study the habits, the practices, the routines that we have that lead to and feed our success, our joy, our honest pain our laughter, our earned tears. Let's dissect that and give thanks for those things. And when we do that, guess what happens? We get better at them. And we have more to dissect. To get rich quick on the internet, rich is 15 minutes of fame world that we live in, and we see it every day. But we all want to succeed, right? So the question that we've got to ask ourselves is what success is to us? What success is to you? Is it more money? That's fine. I got nothing against money. Maybe it's a healthy family. Maybe it's a happy marriage. Maybe it's to help others, to be famous, to be spiritually sound, to leave the world a little bit better place than you found it. Continue to ask yourself that question. Now, your answer may change over time, and that's fine. But do yourself this favor. Whatever your answer is, don't choose anything that will jeopardize your soul. Prioritize who you are, who you want to be, and don't spend time with anything that antagonizes your character. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, man. It tastes sweet, but you will get cavities tomorrow, all right? Life is not a popularity contest. Be brave, take the hill, but first answer that question, what's my hill? Well, for me, it's a measurement of, of five things. We got fatherhood. We got being a good husband. We got my health mind, body, and spirit. We've got career and we've got friendships. 
These are what's important to me in my life right now. Because I want to keep all five in healthy shape. And I know that if I don't take care of them, if I don't keep up maintenance on them, one of them is going to get weak, man. It's going to dip too deep into the debit section. It's going to go bankrupt. It's going to get sick. Die. So first, we have to define success for ourselves. And then we have to put in the work to maintain it. Take that daily tally. Tend our garden. Keep the things that are important to us in good shape. Defining ourselves by what we are not is the first step that leads us to really knowing who we are. You know that group of friends that you hang out with that they really might not bring out the best in you? You know, they, they gossip too much or they're kind of shady. They really aren't going to be there for you in a pinch. Or how about that bar that we keep going to that we always seem to have the worst hangover from? Or that computer screen, right? That computer screen that keeps giving us an excuse not to get out of the house and engage with the world and get some real human interaction. How about that food that we keep eating, that stuff that tastes so good going down and makes us feel like crap the next week when we feel lethargic and we keep putting on weight? Well, those people, those places, those things, stop giving them your time and energy. Just don't go there. I mean, put them down. And when you do this, when you do put them down, when you quit going there, and you quit giving them your time, you inadvertently find yourself spending more time and in more places that are healthy for you, that bring you more joy. Why? Because you just eliminated the who's, the where's, the what's, and the when's that were keeping you from your identity. Like, trust me, too many options, <laughs> I promise you, too many options will make a tyrant of us all. All right, so get rid of the excess, the wasted time. Decrease your options. If you do this, you will have accidentally, almost innocently, put in front of you what is important to you by process of elimination. Knowing who we are is hard. It's hard. So give yourself a break. Eliminate who you are not first, and you're going to find yourself where you need to be. Make voluntary obligations. I'm talking about the ones that we make with ourselves, with our God, with our own consciousness. I'm talking about the you versus you obligations. We have to have them. Now, again, these are not societal laws and expectations that we acknowledge and endow for anyone other than ourselves. These are faith-based obligations that we make on our own. These are not the lowered insurance rates for a good driving record. You will not be fined or put in jail if you do not gratify these obligations I speak of. No one else governs these but you. They are your secrets with yourself, your own private counsel, personal protocols. And while nobody throws you a party when you abide by them, no one's going to arrest you when you break them either, except yourself. An honest man's pillow is his peace of mind. And when you lay down on that pillow at night, no matter who's in your bed, we all sleep alone. These are your personal Jiminy Crickets, and there are not enough cops in the entire world to police them. It's on you. It's on you. We do our best when our destinations are beyond the measurement, when our reach continually exceeds our grasp, and when we have immortal finish lines. 
And when we do this, the race is never over. The journey has no port. The adventure never ends because we are always on the way. So do this. Do this and let them, let somebody else come up and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you, you, you scored. Let them run up and tap you on the shoulder and say, man, you, you won. Let them come tell you, you can go home now. Let them say, I love you too. Let them say, thank you. Take the lid off the man-made roofs that we put above ourselves and always play like an underdog.